with uh, his rugrats just climbing all over him. Uh, he's, he's got two little ones, and um, they are so busy. I think he has three businesses, and uh, and his wife. They, I'm just, I'm blessed that he's asking the Lord what he's supposed to do. And I told him, I said, uh, don't decide too quickly. God will give you time, but I also don't want to ruin that family by overburdening them. Uh, so this would be Mark's night, and um, and so the rotation falls on Mark. So I figured I'd take it. And I don't know what I was thinking when I said I would because I'm beat and I I got nothing. I, I, part of the agreement with these young fellows is that they had to listen to Damien Kyle's chronological study of the life of Christ. And and they just had to take the verses before they listened to him. Just take the verses. And those were the ones they were required to teach. They had to seek the Lord, wait upon the Lord, rightly divide the word of truth. And then they were welcome after the Lord had spoken to them. They were welcome to then go and seek other commentaries. And uh, But the first commentary they'd have to listen to is Damien, because I wanted him to get to understand what I consider to be one of the best expositors of Scripture, Damien Kyle. And um, and so they've been doing that, and I've been so blessed by the studies. I just, Aaron and Zach and Mark have done a great job with the first three studies. And then I'm going to just, uh, my job tonight is to make you want them to come back, because I'm going to butcher whatever it is we were supposed to do. If you need a Bible, these guys have them. Raise your hand, they'll pass them out to you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 tonight, Luke chapter 2. I was uh, really blessed by the deep theological pursuit that, that these, these fellows made in, in looking at why Jesus came, where, uh, how he came, where he came from, looking at all those different aspects of this nature of the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. And then tonight, my job is, is to address a title that Damien had put, and I, I liked it. It was called Jesus, the Revealer of Human Hearts. And... Um, I love the title, and I had heard this message years ago. I didn't have time to listen to it today, but I, I did put down the verses, and I'll read the verses to you. We're going to pick up Luke chapter 2, verse 21. It's the circumcision of Jesus. Oh, boy. Uh, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angels before he was conceived in the womb. Now, in the days of of Mary's purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. By the way, Christ is not Jesus' last name, it's his title. Christ means Savior, in case you're wondering. Uh, what's Jesus' last name? Christ. No, you're wrong. Until he'd seen the Lord's Christ. And so he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law... Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, and this is very, very touching. He said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of Jesus 
Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul, Mary, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Jesus is the revealer of human hearts. Verse 36, now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, and she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And so when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, which means circumcision, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. There weren't any hidden years of Jesus. There wasn't any absent years of Jesus. This is declaring that he grew in the things of the Lord. Now, I wanted to take a look at this passage, Jesus, the revealer of human hearts. We saw that with Simeon's prayer as he held Jesus in his arms. But let's go through the passage to put it into context. You you see in the very beginning, when eight days were completed, it's a fascinating picture because God declared that every child was to be circumcised on the eighth day. Um, I don't think Dr. Let's see. No, she's not here. Linda Johnson. She would declare this. Vitamin K does not develop in the human body until the eighth day. You know what vitamin K is used for? Clotting. The child would bleed to death if they were circumcised any earlier. Isn't that amazing? The Jews understood by the revelation of the Lord that you couldn't circumcise until the eighth day. Now, this idea of circumcision was an aspect where they would declare that they were a chosen people. It was a reminder to them that they were a special people. And, And special in the sense that they had a covenant with the living God. And so what they would do is this circumcision, this cutting of the flesh of of the male reproductive organ was a testimony that all reproduction, all children following you are of this promise. And and so every child was to be circumcised. And so it was done on the eighth day and it it was according to Jesus as well. You know, it's fascinating. The Jews have given us many great things, Nobel Peace Prize winners and inventors and scientists and on and on and on. But the greatest thing the Jews have ever given us is a savior. Christ was a Jew. He was born of a Jewish family, a Jewish carpenter's son, and salvation is from the Jews. So when we reject the Jews or we ostracize them or we seek to destroy them, God purposed that through this lineage of the Jewish heritage would come the Messiah, the Christ child. The scripture says his name was called Jesus. It's Yeshua or Joshua, which which translates uh, God is salvation or God is our salvation. And uh, it's, it's um, um, a Greek transliteration of the Hebrew word Joshua. And so that was what his name was to be because he is the savior of the world. And that name was given to him by the angels. It's spoken to Mary when, before she was even pregnant or when she was with child. Verse 22, now when the days of Mary's purification according to the law of Moses were completed, you have the afterbirth and the bleeding and the like and until her body came back to normal and everything resolved and, and she was healthy and clean. Uh, they were able to come to the temple for the circumcision of the child and to present him to the Lord. 
Because it is written that every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And this, by the way, is what we covered uh, this morning in Matthew 6. This idea of giving to the Lord, returning to the Lord. This is this, this picture of first fruits, firstborn. Uh, the very first of what you, what you raise, the very first of who's born, they're to be given to the Lord. And this is the law uh, of, of, of the first male who opens the womb. It's holy to the Lord. And when we dedicate, when we commit that to the Lord, the rest of it is sanctified. And so it's, it's this first portion of our lives. And so the first child, first male to open the womb, is holy to the Lord, dedicated to the Lord for the service of the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord. And it's interesting what their sacrifice was. It was a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Does anyone know why they didn't bring a bowl or a ram or anything like that? They were poor. This was a poor man's sacrifice. Mary and Joseph were dirt poor. So anyone who has this name and claim and idea that they're, you know, driving around in a Bentley and they've got really cool designer robes and they, you know, that's not true. It's not how the Lord works. It's in humility. Your, your spirituality isn't based on the amount of money you have. And so these folks, uh, pair of turtle doves, two young pigeons, they, were, they didn't have two nickels to rub together. But God always met their needs. And now we come to the portion of Scripture that, uh, that Damien looked at and where he got this title. And it's with this precious, precious saint. Every time I read about Simeon, I think of Pastor Marty. I mean, that would be the picture to me, Pastor Marty in the temple, and he's just sitting there praying and waiting for the, the Savior. He knows that the Messiah is coming. He's read the Scriptures. He knows the, the Pentateuch backwards and forwards and every point in between, and he has read all the Messianic passages in Isaiah and throughout the Psalms, and he's done Psalm 22 and, and Isaiah 53, and he's waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the one who would be the Christ, the Lord's Savior, the, the Messiah, the the chosen one of, of Israel. And so as he's waiting there, it says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout. Two powerful pictures. Just means that he's an honest man. You can trust him and he's devout. He's faithful to the Lord. Every time you turn around, you find him. I mean, there are certain people. Uh, Mark, Pastor Mark is one of them. Uh, this guy burns a candle at both ends. He's a heavy equipment operator. He leaves from here to go to a, a, an all-night job moving heavy equipment on a freeway uh, because he can't do it during traffic times. He never misses Sunday morning. He never misses Sunday nights. He's always filming and doing video. He would make it on Wednesdays, but he can't because he's over at Camp 13, which is our longest-running ministry in the church. Uh, preparing sermons to minister to all these women who are incarcerated, and he set up a whole ministry with a bunch of people and coordinates it, and they have to get their background checks and all these things. And every time I need something, Mark's there, and every single video that's been put together has been done by Pastor Mark. This guy is what you would call devout. He wouldn't say that of himself, but I do. Every time I turn around, he's there. Every time I turn around, he's there. That's devout. That person has plenty of time for God's people, plenty of time in God's house to minister and to pour his life into others. And he does it quietly and unassumingly. Most of you go, Pastor Mark who? Well, there wouldn't be this church if it wasn't for Pastor Mark. The Lord working in Pastor Mark's life. The things that God's done in and through that man have been precious. He and his wife, his wife here the same way. We wouldn't have a, a Boy Scout troop. I mean, there's just so many things we just look at that these two do. That's what I see in Simeon. I even think of Marty that way. Marty's here more hours than I am. Every time I get to the hospital to visit a shut-in or somebody who's sick who's just been put into the hospital, I get there because I've gotten the call. By the time I get there, Marty's already there. Most of the time, he's already there and left. That's how late I am to get there. Their head is already dripping with oil, and they've got a smile on their face, and they're going, why are you here, Pastor? We've already had somebody visit us. That's Pastor Marty's devout. 
He's just. And that was Simeon. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the comfort of Israel. Israel hasn't had a lot of comfort in 2,500 years, have they? You think about the Holocaust that they've endured and the things. And, and here, Simeon is waiting for the comfort of Israel. And right now, they were under the oppression of Rome. They were about to lose their nation. Uh, the boot of Rome was on the neck of all of Israel. And, and, and here, Simeon, Simeon is praying and waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Uh, the, the Lord told Pastor Marty he was going to live a long time. I don't know what that means, but I told Marty he's got two choices. He can live forever or get raptured. With Simeon, the Lord had promised him a long life, but that he wouldn't see death until he saw the Lord's Christ, until he saw the Messiah. And that was a great joy because you figure Israel had been waiting for hundreds of years for a Messiah. They'd been waiting since the time of, of Adam and Eve when, when uh, the, the proto-evangelicum was given to Eve saying that uh, the serpent will nip your heel but you'll crush his head and that from you will come a, a savior through your lineage. And, and now here we are all these years later and he gets to see the Messiah. He's going to be one of the first to be able to hold the Christ child. And the Holy Spirit was upon him to reveal this to him. And as he was waiting... I, I was touched by this idea that he wouldn't see death. He wouldn't see death until the Lord's Christ was in his arms. You know, I, I think of the Apostle Paul, who even had a chance to see heaven. And he said, I, I'd long to be in heaven because I've seen it. I don't know what's better, to be with the Lord or to remain here to testify to you in this fallen, miserable place. I've got to tell you, there are days where I don't fear death. I'm ready to go home. There are some days, Lord, just take me now. I'm ready for an aneurysm or something. Just bring it. And I know that sounds awful. But look at it this way. I catch myself. And I think how selfish I am. You see, Simeon wants to bless this child. And our job when we get older is to bless the next generation and make sure they're safe. We can walk them through this minefield and get them safely to the other side. It's not about our comfort and our ease and our retirement that we can get in our Winnebago and drive around the country. We need to impart to the next generation that truth, that hope. We need to be holding these grandkids and blessing them in the nursery. We need to be serving the next generation and loving on them. And here's Simeon, that's his whole heart. He's devout, he's in the temple every day, and he's just, and he can't wait to hold this little baby. So he came by the Holy Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, which means they were bringing him in to be circumcised. And not only does he get to hold the Christ child, he gets to circumcise him. Talk about a very, very scary operation, right? It's like the guy that was taking the bullet out of President Reagan. He was, he was nervous. The president's in your, your hands. And he's moments from death. You've got to remove that bullet from his chest. Well, Simeon's going to circumcise Jesus. I don't know about you. I just thought that was kind of a heavy deal. The parents brought in uh, the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, and, and this is the part that we focus on tonight. He said, Lord, 
Now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. I, I get to go now because you have met my needs. You have blessed me. This is my desire was to see your salvation. For my eyes, as he says, have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. Now this is an interesting thing for a Jew to say because they were so ethnocentric and, and this idea of being chosen, you lose sight of why you're chosen. You're chosen to bring into the world the Messiah and that you were to proclaim the glory of the Lord and you were a people that have been used for that purpose. But Simeon is wise enough and devout enough to grasp the idea that salvation is for all, not for, for the Jews. Now, it's for the Jews first and then for the Gentile. But, but he is excited about seeing the world saved through this child. He says in verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Everyone say light. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him, even though I I think earlier the angels had revealed that to them, but they were blown away. This really is what we thought it was. That wasn't just a dream all those days ago. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary. Now he turns to Mary and he's holding the child. He blesses them. He's holding the child. He turns to Mary. And you can imagine this one. He turns to Mary and he looks her in the face. And this is a, a weathered, aged man, piercing eyes. Filled with the Holy Spirit, looking at this woman, gazing deeply into her eyes. And he says to her, behold, this child, Mary, is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. This child is going to bring division. And and she says, and for a sign which will be spoken against, he is going to be despised and rejected of men. Mary, Isaiah 53 They'll esteem him not. He's going to be beaten, Mary. Psalm 22 was written for him. The hounds of Bashan will encircle him. They're going to devour him. He's going to be hung on a cross, Mary. He will be spoken against. And he says, yes. And then he looks at her and he says, Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul also. One of the worst things a parent can ever experience is the death of their child. No parent should outlive their children. God never intended it that way, but in sin, it happens. And the heartache of that, when Simeon looks at Mary and says, this is going to pierce your own soul, woman. It's going to break your heart. But then he says, but know this, that the reason this is going to happen is that the thoughts of many hearts would be revealed. His death is going to turn the world right side up. His death is going to change history. That cross and the piercing of Mary's soul by the piercing of Jesus' hands and his feet and the crown of thorns and the piercing of his side and the shredding of his back, that cross is the center theme of all of history. Every person prior to the crucifixion looked forward to a point in time for the salvation of man. And every person after the crucifixion looks back to a point in time because of the salvation of man. And that cross divided the world. You're either for him or against him. There is no middle ground. Who do you say that Jesus is? He is the revealer of human hearts. There has been a crucifixion. You are a sinner. You have guilt. You know that you are guilty. And how do you resolve that? Drugs? 
Does that help? No. I've tried everything there is to try, to try to usage this misery in my soul, and I can tell you tonight it does not work. Because every time I attempt that, I see before my eyes that I have an accounting to a God that holds the heavens in the span of his hand. And he has given me deliverance, but it's my heart that needs to humble itself and fall at the foot of the cross. There's no other name under heaven by which a man must be saved. This prophetess, Anna, she was old. She had served the Lord. Here she was at 84, fasting and prayers night and day. She gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Jesus to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She was so touched, she said, salvation's come. You see, that's what happens to the human heart when we come to terms with the cross. We either despise it and ridicule it or we declare it. When all these things were performed and Christ had been circumcised according to the law of the Lord, Jesus grew strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom. Grace of God was upon him. But tonight we conclude with this picture of the center theme of all of history. Jesus, the revealer of human hearts. Mary, your soul will be pierced as the hands of your child will be pierced. Your soul will be pierced as the feet of your child will be pierced. Mary, you will be pierced as a spear pierces the side of your child. He will be the cause of the rise and the fall of many, including those in this room tonight. You think rising and falling, you think those who rise are the victorious ones and the ones who fall are the ones that are despised. No, 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 no. Jesus' name either calls you to fall unto salvation or rise in arrogance unto damnation. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved but that of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. You only get to heaven on your knees. The ground at the foot of, cro- of, at the, foot of the cross is level. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you look like, how rich you are, how poor you are. You need a savior. It's the great leveler of all of humanity. It's like going to the DMV. You see rock stars there and you see homeless people. We all got to go to the DMV. Everyone has to deal with Jesus, right? Everyone, has, Where did that come from? I don't know. I'm touched by John chapter 3 where it says, verse 14, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Speaking of the crucifixion of Christ, speaking of this revealer of human hearts, Speaking of this that would pierce the soul of Mary. Verse, it also says that it was a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. So when we see in John chapter 3 verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up. Verse 15, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Christ is crucified. What do you say? What do you say, human? What do you say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see this Savior bleeding and hanging on a cross. He died for you for the remission of your sins. If you were the only person on the earth, he would have died for you. He loves you with an everlasting love. 
And here he bleeds in your presence, that cross that separates all of history. That which Simeon spoke of in the consolation of Israel, holding in his arms and looking into the eyes of Mary as her heart broke. This will be your son, Mary, hanging. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. And as he bleeds upon that cross and you look at his beaten and bruised body. And the Lord declares, this is my love for you. This is how ugly your sin is. And I've loved you even unto salvation. And I've given you my son. Your blood is defiled and it pumps with the sin of your wickedness. And blood must be shed for the remission of sin. And you are guilty and you are on death row. And no one can save you for we're all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. But yet in the span of time, a child was born of the Virgin Mary who was sinless. And now his blood pours out on that cross. So efficacious that one drop would cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. And as he bleeds there and the Lord declares that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 of John 3 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn you. You know why? Because you're already condemned. The wages of sin is death. Separation from God for all eternity. We're the only creatures in all of his creation that have committed cosmic treason. He tells the sun to rise, it rises. He tells it to set, it sets. He tells the birds to migrate and they go. He gives man the ability to love and what do we do? We reject him. We serve our belly. We serve our flesh. And then we mock and we ridicule God as though he is to be used as an expletive. We stub our toe and we say, Jesus Christ! Why don't we say, O Buddha? O Muhammad? O Joseph Smith? O Mary Baker Eddy? O Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh? Why do we say Jesus Christ? Because there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And you see that cross every day and it brings conviction of your condemnation. And you don't want to repent. And so you mock him. You rise in your arrogance and you mock him. When you should fall on your knees and worship him. The rising and falling of many. For God did not send his, world, his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There's still hope. You're alive. Your heart's beating. Your lungs are moving. It's appointed once for a man to die. Then judgment. You won't get a chance after you die. But today is a day of salvation. He says in... Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned. There's hope for you tonight. That cross can be yours. Kneel from your standing arrogance to a humbleness before the Lord. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now let me stop for a moment and share with you. The three fellows before me have done such an excellent job of a logical discourse of the claims of Christ, that it's such a clear case that you can't even argue it. And my favorite is that people come in and they argue about the claims of Christ. And I say, if I answer that, will you receive Christ? I had one fellow come in and I say, what would it take for you to believe in God? If I saw a miracle, what kind of a miracle? A severed arm regrowing. I said, okay. So if I can show you proof of a severed arm regrowing right now, you will receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you promise me you'll do that? Because I will bring this evidence. Will you please promise me right now? Well, I, I'm sure there's an explanation. Okay, so it's not that. 
You will explain away every miracle. Miracles don't bring people to salvation. Why are you struggling to receive the Lord? It's not because there isn't enough evidence. The heavens declare his majesty. I mean, give me a break. We're being held by nothing in the, in the universe. 5% closer to the sun, we'd fry. 5% further away, we'd freeze to death. And here we are in this delicate balance, spinning hundreds of thousands of miles an hour. And he protects us. And the beauty of this atmosphere that nobody can explain. And you even look at an atom with the Coulomb's law of electricity, that even an atom being held together, it says all things are held together by the word of his power. It doesn't make any sense. All it can be is a God. You see the sun rise and the sun set. It's a, it's a creation of order. You are a fool to say there's no God. It's ridiculous. Stop it. The cross is there and stop standing. Kneel. And as this happens, he says the condemnation is this. Listen. And Simeon said it. That light has come into the world. But men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deed should be exposed. Why do we party at night? Why do we got to hide? Why do you got to do things in the back of the car? In a parking lot away from your parents. I know. Not with Michelle. I mean, before we were married. I don't know what I'm saying. Scratch that. point is this it's not that there isn't enough evidence to receive the lord let's be honest come on you love your sin you walk around in your arrogance your pride you you reject your parents because they don't get it they serve the lord You make fun of the church. You make fun of Christ. You make fun of Bible studies. You are standing in your arrogance and your pride. And you will be condemned. Jesus has come into the world to save sinners. Of whom I'm the chief. The cross of Christ is the center theme of all of history. You you can't be in the course of time and not have the cross in front of you. Every man must come to an accounting of who Christ is. And he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. You see, when you're serving the Lord, you're not ashamed of what you do. In our world, we've finally come to a place where we're not ashamed anymore. We call evil good and good evil, and we think that that somehow gives us liberation. That we can, instead of calling it, uh, you know, homosexuality, we, we call it an alternate lifestyle. And, and marriage isn't between a man and a woman. It can be between a man and a man, a woman and a woman, a man and two women, a man and a dog, a, a man and a child. What do, I mean, come on. Where do we stop? If it's not God's law, then whose is it? Whoever's in power makes the rules. Who's to say bestiality isn't acceptable? How dare you judge me? Who are you to judge me? No, it's endless. And we call evil good and good evil. And the logic of that is ridiculous. It's stupid. 
Our children struggle with it. Now we have non-gender bathrooms. Or you go to the bathroom as a child to whatever gender you feel you need to go. I can tell you where all the guys are going, I'm going to the girl's bathroom. I kind of feel like a girl today. <laughs> That's a mess. And this is what we're teaching in public schools. We've removed God from the equation. And in our pride and our arrogance, look what we've made, a mess. And God says, humble yourself. The rising and the falling of many. I want to fall, not rise. I want to close with this. Matthew 16, if you turn with me there. Jesus, a revealer of human hearts. A light has come into the world, but we love darkness more than the light. We're unwilling to surrender. But everyone has to make this decision. Everyone. I'm sorry. You know, I, I don't want to be religious, man. I don't care. You still have to make this decision. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? See, they said, Some say that you're John the Baptist, a moral reformer. Elijah, uh, a a prophet of power. Jeremiah, a, a weeping servant. Or another prophet. All powerful in their own right. But Jesus turns to them and he says, okay, that's what they say, but who do you say that I am? Stop there for a moment. Caesarea Philippi was an area that we visited, and it's covered in idols. They had the gates of hell, which is where they used to put sacrifices. Right there, it's one of the most beautiful places in Israel, and there's statues everywhere. And every, every ruling nation that owned this territory built some sort of an altar. So there's gods and goddesses everywhere. The Romans had Bacchus and Aphrodite. and I mean, they're everywhere. It's a really beautiful place. Jesus brings his disciples up there. They're looking around going, oh... And they're watching as there's every type of worship imaginable. People are bowing down to the God of Bacchus who's alcohol and Aphrodite and they're wearing scanty clothes and the disciples are like, uh. Jesus goes, hey fellas, over here. Uh-huh, okay, okay, okay. He says, who do men say that I am? Oh, uh, 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 they, they say that you're, uh, I'm sorry, what was the question? Who do men say that I am? Uh, I heard someone say that you're like John the Baptist. Someone goes, oh, no, 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 I heard Elijah. Someone says, no, there's Jeremiah. Okay, fellas, look at me. We're surrounded by idols. Look at me. Who do you say that I am? Now, we're in Caesarea Philippi right now. We're surrounded by idols, and they're waiting for you outside the doors of this building. Jesus asks you tonight, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Jesus, or excuse me, Peter responded. This is the only response we can have. Ready? Here we go. Verse 16, Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church in the gates of hell. And he points to the gates of Hades because he's there in Caesarea Philippi. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
Then he commanded his disciples to say that they should not, that they should tell no one that he was the Christ, Jesus the Christ. Close with this tonight. The Bible says it's appointed once for man to die, then judgment. You'll stand before God and give an accounting of your life. I don't care if you consider yourself an agnostic, an atheist, a Buddhist, a Muslim, a Christian, a Jehovah's Witness, a Mormon, whatever. Every religion, listen, every religion leads to God. You die tonight, you, I guarantee you, will stand before God. But here's the problem. Only one religion leads to heaven. All the others are eternal damnation, separation from God forever. Because you have rejected the only name under heaven by which we must be saved. And that is Jesus Christ. He's a revealer of human hearts. The cross is before you. And the question is, who do you say Jesus is? There's only one answer. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ isn't his last name. It is his title and his message. He is your Savior. That's what you take away tonight. The revealer of your heart is this. We're sinners. We need a Savior. I've shared this story a thousand times. I love the story. It's one of my favorites. I do it every time I speak at a conference or or at a large venue. And there's an altar call that's involved. I always say, I, I tell a story about when I was a lifeguard. And there's a kid that was drowning. And he was wearing a Raiders shirt. He was a big, heavy set kid. And we were telling these kids, it was the end of the day and we were cold and it was miserable. And I was riding shotgun. I was a rookie guard. And we had had so many rescues that day. And these guys were playing in the surf in a spot where we'd had a number of riptides and rip currents. And I, we were telling them over the radio to move. And they were giving us the international sign of get lost. And as they were sitting there, you know, giving that lovely gesture, we were just frustrated. And sure enough, a set of waves came in. Rip current happened. They started getting sucked out. Most of them made it in, but this one kid in the Raiders outfit gets sucked out. He was the one who was giving me the biggest hard time. I was a Charger fan. I was just thinking, let him drown. <laughs> and he gets sucked out there, and, and I'm, I'm cold. I'm shivering. The, the marine layer's coming in. The fog's getting thick. I pop my Peterson tube. I go out there. The water's so cold. I'm just like so angry. I wasn't a believer then. I put my Peterson tube on. I swim out there. I get to him, and he is just scratching. He's just, you know, gasping for air. And I go, here, take the tube. I'll bring you in. He goes, I don't need your tube, man. I I got it. You can go on in. (laughs) I grab the buoy, and I just sit there and float on it. And I am so frustrated with this kid. I'm looking in. I'm watching all the kids on the shore laugh at him. And they're laughing and mocking him. And I can realize, I I understand that the reason why he's trying to get in on his own accord is because he doesn't want to be embarrassed. And I'm getting irritated because I'm freezing. I'm literally shivering. I'm going, take the tube, let me pull you in. You're not getting in. And we're getting pulled out further and further. Finally, he's turned purple. He looks like Barney. And I go, grab the tube. And finally, I just back off. And now, he starts coughing. And he aspirates some water. And he is flipping out. And he starts to panic. He's going, I need the tube. I need the tube. I'll take the tube. And I'm far enough away from him. I'm floating. And I go, you say please. He's panicking. He's going, what do you mean, please? I say, you say, please. I've been out here waiting for you to grab this tube. I knew you needed it. I knew you needed to be saved. You were so prideful. You're more concerned with your friends on the beach than you are with us getting back in. I know what I do. I do this for a living. Now grab the stupid tube, but first say, please. 
He goes, please, please, please. Oh, good. And I bring him in. When we get to the shore. All the kids are laughing at him. He goes, you're not my friend. He is. He saved my life. And he grabbed his clothes and he left. Now, why don't you want to be saved? If you've never given your heart to the Lord, why? Is it pride? In a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive the Lord. I'm going to invite the band up. We'll close with a couple songs. Let's close our eyes. Let's have the band come on up. Father, Sunday night, and I, I know that most of the folks in the room have a relationship with you, but I may not be all. And Lord, today we, we didn't give a call to Christ, but I think tonight through this message, a revealer of human hearts, that's your desire. And when one sinner comes to Christ, the Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice. And Lord, as our, our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, Lord, you say that if we believe in our heart and confess with our tongue that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved to the glory of the Father. It's a real simple transaction. He bled and died on the cross, and by faith we receive his righteousness and it's put on our account. And we're new creatures in Christ, as we prayed earlier. All things are made new. That, Lord, you're the revealer of human hearts. And, Lord, we've been walking around because we love darkness more than light. We've been standing in our arrogance. But, Lord Jesus, you are the revealer of human hearts. You'll be there for the rise and fall of many. And tonight, Lord, let those who are standing in pride fall to their feet in humility. Today is a day of salvation. You don't know if you have it tomorrow. I'm not the preacher of doom, but that's a reality. We do not know what tomorrow holds. But today, today, today is a day of salvation. Why would you reject so great a salvation? I'm going to give you in a moment as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive the Lord. And it goes simply like this. I'm going to ask you in a moment, if you want to receive Christ as your Savior, it's a public profession of faith. And the way you're going to do it is you're just going to raise your hand. Everyone's heads will be bowed. Their eyes will be closed. But the scripture says, if you profess me before man, I'll profess you before my Father in heaven. So my eyes will be open and I'm going to watch you raise your hand and I will testify with you that today is the day of your salvation before the throne of grace. So now as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, in this message you've come to realize that He is the revealer of human hearts, this Jesus who is the Christ, the Messiah, who's come to save. You're not embarrassed with the guys on the shore. You're ready to take the tube of salvation. You want to be saved. If that's you right now, right now, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand. Don't be prideful. I'm asking you right now, you know for a fact that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that you're going to heaven. You're confident of that? You've given your heart to the Lord and it is, it is secure? And if it isn't, I ask you this, are you going to walk out in pride and face the rest of your life in that arrogance? Or in humility will you receive the Lord tonight and I, I pray that all of you are saved but if there's still someone don't let right now go by God's holding out the tube to rescue do you want to be saved if you do raise your hand right now praise the Lord Father we thank you for this night we worship you in spirit and in truth bless this time of worship we pray in Jesus name amen Let's stand. Let's just do one song. We'll close with one song. Let's stand and worship the Lord. Bless you guys. Next week, it's Aaron.
see your face.